Today, I am taking you all the way back to 1978, November, to the epic first original and only airing of Star Wars, the holiday special. You've heard a lot about this holiday special, but if you weren't there experiencing it in real time, you don't understand the excitement that had been built around it and why it was so anticipated in the first place. Does it have some wild and wacky and disjointed stuff in it? Absolutely it does. But is there anything redeeming about the Star Wars holiday special other than the fact that it was the return to us, the Star Wars fans, of Mark Hamill as Luke Skywalker, Harrison Ford as Han Solo, Harry Fisher as Princess Leia for the very first time since the theatrical release. So much to discuss. We're going to do it all today. Star Wars, the holiday special on an all-new episode of Rob's Observations. Hey everybody, welcome to another edition of Rob's Observations. I am your host, Rob Liefeld. I make comics, I draw comics, I create comics, I, I write comics, I produce comics, and here we talk about all things comic books, comic book superheroes, and how they have grown and sprouted into these giant industrial corporate mega iconic machines. Yes, that is how I would describe the superheroes of today. They are these giant corporate I, I you guys if you've listened to the show you know how much i despise the term ip it's an ip hey what ip you got what ip i, I can't stand it nobody used to talk like that but in the last 15 years it's hey this ip intellectual property okay comic books have become the biggest intellectual properties marvel has taken them all the way to the billion dollar bank uh warner brothers in dc pursues them with great fever and, and, and sometimes they hit that billion dollar mark as well, but everybody's all over superheroes all the time. This podcast takes you on my journey from when I was seven years old, pulled comic books off the rack, decided, I think I want to do this for a living, which I did, and I have, and I am, and I freaking love it. And I talk about it here with you guys. And today I am so excited about today's topic. I, I Again, I don't know how we haven't embraced this before, but this is important. This is important. Very important topic, and it's important because I am going to take you there as 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 if you were sitting there with me. Okay, I am going back to 1978. I am going to take you back tonight. Okay, uh, on this show, I am going to take you back to November 17th, 1978, because I was there. I was uh, I, I sit kind of squat position, like a you know, yoga style always have. I can get up and walk on my knees. I keep threatening to do that on a uh, on an Instagram or a TikTok video. I am still capable of doing it. It freaks my um, kids out. It freaks my friends out. But I can go and squat, rise on my kneecaps, and run on my knees. It's freaky to see. Yes, but that's how I was sitting on on the evening of November seventeenth, nineteen seventy eight, as I was preparing to consume the. Star Wars holiday special. The Star Wars holiday special was a huge deal. And, and in the you know time since, obviously, it's become an even bigger deal as children of the 80s, 90s, 2000s, and, and current modern day discover it. And they all give their really hilarious um, meme takes, you know, and, and, and they look at it and they scan it and they uh, examine it. Look, I'm not here to even defend it. I'm going to give you an experiential uh, viewpoint of this holiday special. 
And, and, and as with all things, I believe context is huge here. Again, not going to defend all the quirky, wacky, dopey, goofy stuff. You don't think my, kids my age, my age saw that? Kids my age saw all the goofy, wacky, heavily criticized aspects of this. But it was so much more than just those awful sketches. And we're going to sit down today and we're going to examine through the eyes of young Rob Liefeld, because this is like yesterday to me, and we're going we're gonna to tell you why that is, how that is, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to explain to you, like, as if an alien came down in 1978 and sat alongside me, or, or a time traveler, and said, I want to go hang out, and I want to sit next to an avid Star Wars crazed fan, because I was a Star Wars crazed fan. You know, I was there, and, and, and I love it, and, and no one can ever take it from me. And everyone who knew me knew it. My family knew that I was a Star Wars crazed nut job. And when I say family, I mean not my mom, not my dad, not my sister. They were like, oh my gosh, we, we can't live with this kid. My neighbors knew it. I've covered here before how nobody wanted to be Luke Skywalker. Everybody wanted to be Han Solo, which was fine with me. I wanted to be Luke Skywalker. I wanted to be the Jedi in training. I wanted to be the guy in the kind of biblical clothing with the laser sword, okay? I, I wanted to be. The, the, the mentor of, of Obi-Wan Kenobi, there, there obviously is no Yoda. There's no idea of Dagobah. We are even sketchy on Sith Lords at the time. But coming out of Star Wars in May 1977 and having it play all over Southern California and having it be my weekend babysitter gave me this almost symbiotic relationship with Star Wars. Now, I'll, I'll be the first to tell you, I, don't, I can't keep up with all things Star Wars anymore. I try. I try so hard. I try my very best. And the good Lord gave me a, a son who loves it almost as much as his dad did from his own young age. And he consumed Rebels and Clone Wars. And he watches Bad Batch and all the stuff that I don't regularly interact with. I tapped out on Clone, War, Clone Wars, whatever season Cad Bane was introduced kind of early on when Cad Bane was part of the bounty hunter group that was, uh, that was hunting them. And then it, I liked it. I just, I just, life got busy and my son was 10 years old and it was Saturday, Friday evening, Saturday morning appointment television. Cause if he didn't catch it on Friday evening, cause he had flag football on Fridays, he would make sure that he caught it the next morning. So again, my son was then kind of the, the guy that would, would help me digest the current modern day Star Wars and everything that it's become. Like many of you, I watch all of the Star Wars Disney Plus shows. Unlike Marvel, which I am openly honest and and uh, and, and divulge to all of you across all social media, did not see Ms. Marvel, She-Hulk, didn't finish Moon Knight, did not see Thor uh, 4, whatever it was called, Love and Thunder, did not see Doctor Strange 2, um, just did not see Ant-Man. There's a whole bunch of the Marvel stuff that I've just tapped down on. I don't, I can't have an opinion on it. I didn't participate in it. I just, it just didn't compel me to go and to interact with it. So I didn't. And, 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 and that's pretty much, you know, all there is to say about that stuff. But with Star Wars, Obi-Wan, Book of Boba Fett, uh, you know, Andor, all the Mandalorians, all of this stuff I have, I have been on, on board for. I don't watch the Bad Batch. I did see the last, the continuation of the Clone Wars I watched with my 20 year old son when it came out. So again, you know, as up as I can as I can be. During this time, this 1978 period, back way back in the day, the comic books by Marvel Comics, and I've, and I've done a really serious 
autopsy, Star Wars. Uh, we, we have a thing called Rob Topsy, and I did a Rob Topsy on the Star Wars uh, Marvel adaptation. Great behind the scenes details are divulged during that uh, Rob Topsy episode. It's called a Rob Topsy. You can find it in the backlog of the Rob's, Rob's Observations catalog. You should check it out. I give you a lot of the, um, the politics behind the decision, and then I go and, and we examine the inspiration behind the creators and just all, all manner of cool details that went into. Uh, this Star Wars comic book adaptation, which became a huge, tremendous success for Marvel. So go go check that out. It's a great companion and, and semi-informs where I'm going to approach this from because then they went on to give you original adventures following the adaptation because it became Marvel's number one selling comic book. And they had the license to continue to tell new stories, as did several book publishers who put out Splinter of the Mind's Eye, which it, it, uh, was a low-budget sequel idea that George Lucas had in case Star Wars wasn't tremendously successful, and that's why it isolates um, Luke Skywalker and, 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 and Princess Leia with, with C-3PO and R2-D2 and, and takes Han and Chewie out. It really becomes a more intimate piece, but when it came out with that incredible cover by Ralph McQuarrie, um, the incredible story, really great story by Alan Dean Foster, I've done an entire podcast on Splinter of the Mind's Eye as well. So it was a giant, giant shift for, for fandom because it was like, you know, huge displays in the bookstores, Splinter of the Mind's Eye, a, a, a sanctioned novel from Lucasfilm, from George Lucas, from 20th Century Fox, all of it just, and it featured Darth Vader hunting Luke Skywalker and Princess Leia, which is all anybody wanted to see at the end of Star Wars. You wanted to see how did that story turn out after Han knocks Darth Vader's uh, ship off course into orbit and the Death Star is destroyed. Like, how do these, how do these, um, forces reconvene and 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 how do their stories continue does darth vader pursue luke all of that is addressed in splinter of the mind's eye oddly enough having gone through the first 36 uh star wars comic books that were adapting not only the existing material but then went on to create all the new stories which was a real needle thread at the time i mean they really could not have thrilled threaded that needle uh, with more success, the author Archie Goodwin came up with just a brilliant three-year extended plan to keep us engaged, even though so much of the stuff was off limits. What, what was off limits, Rob? Well, Darth Vader meeting, you know, Luke Skywalker for any extended period of time, or being featured in the book at all, which he wasn't for a good year, year and a half. Um, Marvel had some handcuffs in regards to what they could do as Lucas prepared Empire Strikes Back, and the whole world didn't know what to expect. It's this period that was very exciting. That this this uh, and, and 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 putting us at November 1978, we are at basically like the year and a half mark of of Star Wars having existed, having been in our consciousness, and the continued stories. We've seen what Marvel has done, and at the time, Marvel is the only uh, really sanctioned monthly, every you know re- regular exposure to the Star Wars cast of characters in their extended adventures, and we know that they are um approved and sanctioned by Lucasfilm and the thing about Splinter of the Splinter of the Mind's Eye that I was going to say is in the letters page for almost a year after Splinter of the Mind's Eye came out it was so seen as as gospel that people would write letters in you know power to marvel comics all respect to them for actually printing these letters and sharing that people are like hey you know how can Luke be swimming in this you know a sequence of of Star Wars 11 and 12 when in Splinter of the Mind's Eye he doesn't know how to sp- how to swim and it's like, aren't, why aren't you guys coordinating better? And then the editors would be like, look, we're trying to do the best we can. Obviously, Lucasfilm's got a lot of stuff going on. We're, we're trying to keep our stuff, you know, 
uh, in line. Who's to say that the story that we're sharing with you doesn't happen after Splinter of the Mind's Eye? So Luke is more, a more adept swimmer. It's really incredible. Like every issue for a while. And at one point, Marvel just had to say, look, we understand that you adore Splinter of the Mind's Eyes. We do too. It's great. It's a great uh, additional piece of uh, Star Wars extension, you know, in, in terms of stories and characters. But you know, we're doing our own thing. We're trying to do the best we can. I mean, it, it really became in the letters pages, having looked through that first 36 issues, you know, right, right around the 15, 16, 20, 22, 24. I mean, Splinter of the Mind's Eye becomes a regular, uh, you know, subject of, of debate as to how the comic book is lining up alongside this story. That's how impactful the release of that book was. Because we were, we were so hot and horny for any extensions of Star Wars, which should inform you how this Star Wars holiday special was received. Now, one thing I want to get to off the top, really basically right off the top, is uh, people forget what, people forget the impact of variety shows in the 70s. My beautiful, amazing, outstanding daughter actually who I got hooked on Daisy Jones on the and the Six, which is a kind of a fictional somewhere in the middle. Some characters are like Fleetwood Mac characters. Some characters are um, the Eagles. The, the 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 lead guitarist who who kind of is on the outs with everybody throughout the show. He is absolutely. By the way, you're like, wait, we're talking seventies music now? Yes, for this two minutes we are. That lead guitarist character in Daisy Jones and the Six is based on Don Felder of the Eagles, even down to the finale, which I won't talk to you and some of the things that were exchanged, that suddenly becomes a Glenn Fry, Don Felder from the Eagles uh, conflict. But this Daisy Jones and the Six is, is great in that it merges all of the great 70s, you know, kind of uh, pop band impressions and, and, and personalities from Fleetwood Mac and Eagles and mashes them up into this great show. My, my daughter was watching it. She, she responded and said, I, I just, I grew up in the wrong era. I would love to have Growing up in the 70s. Well, that's candy to me. That's like, oh, it's my favorite era. So I'm like, you would have loved it. You would have absolutely loved it growing up in the 70s. It was great. It was fantastic. You know, first thing my wife says is, well, there was no computers and no cell phones. She's like, that's fine. And I'm like, yeah, me too. I prefer it. I loved it. I want to go back to, to skateboards and, and bikes and, uh, you know, pay phones uh, and, and, and just the, the newsstand comic book distribution and the way that movies and TVs were, 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 were made and distributed in Saturday morning cartoons every Saturday. Give me a break. I mean, there are so many advantages. I want to go back. If I could go back, that's where I'd go. That's where I would program the time machine there. We got that off the table. But just so you understand, in the 70s, if you were growing up in the 70s, as my daughter's like, I wish I, I, wish I was, uh, variety shows were ridiculously popular. If you Google 70s variety shows, let me tell you right now, you're going to get 95 choices. Yes, 95 choices from the ABC Comedy Hour because it goes A through Z on these. This is how many there are. 95 different individual options. American Bandstand counts. Andy Williams' show was a variety show. The Brady Bunch Variety Hour. Yes, did you know that after their show ended, the entire Brady Bunch cast, with the exception of, I believe, Jan, got together and they did their little song and dance and, and they, uh, they performed, or maybe it was Cindy. Don't, don't, don't quote me. It, it, one of the sisters didn't show back up, but the show went on. All the boys, uh, Florence Henderson, uh, everybody showed up. The, the Brady Bunch Variety Hour became a thing 
uh, on prime time. And these things got huge ratings. They got huge ratings. You understand that every network had them. CBS, ABC, NBC, they all had them. They had Circus of the Stars. Of course, the most popular in my house was the Carol Burnett Show. My mom worshipped Carol Burnett. Everyone who is maybe 10 years younger than my mom was uh, before she passed and maybe 10 years older worship at the altar that is Carol Burnett. The Carol Burnett Show, a sketch variety show, was a top-rated show on television. The variety shows were a big deal. Okay, Sonny and Cher. We never missed it. Now, now you're like, why would your parents never miss Sonny and Cher? My, 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 my mom looked up to Cher because she was, you know, fashionable and cool. Uh, and and, and, uh, and my, my dad and I, I'm going to tell you right now, we had it on because she was hot. I mean, I'm, I'm going to tell you, I, I'm just not, not going to read my dad's mind, but I think my dad thought Cher was hot. She came out in her slinky little outfits and did her songs, and she was very sultry. And I'm going to tell you, Baptist minister Paul Liefeld, I think, you know, got his kicks off Cher, and, and everyone just kind of put up with Sonny, Sonny Bono. But the Sonny and Cher show was a big, giant show, okay? So, I mean, l- listen to these. Sonny and Cher, Carol Burnett, uh, the Brady Bunch Hour, the ABC Comedy Hour, the Captain and Tennille. They had giant hits in the 70s. Love, love will keep us together. Okay, number one, giant show. Giant, giant, giant hit song. They had a show, of course. You get a hit song, you get a variety hour. You get a variety show, okay? The Dean Martin Variety Hour. Dick Clark's Live Wednesday Night Variety Hour. Dinah Shore's um variety hour dolly parton's variety hour the don knotts variety hour and then honestly the mother the mothership the one that beat them all out and was a regular appointment viewing in the in like 1976 to 1978 the donnie and murray show on every friday night i'm a little bit country i'm a little bit rock and roll okay kids my age we had we had a crush on on marie osmond she was super cute uh perfect made for tv personality donnie funny goofy they did skits they had guest stars. They had Star Wars guest stars. Um, they had all the big name actors would come on their show, do little skits, do little b- bits with them. This was appointment television on Friday afternoon. I would, on Friday evenings, sometimes I would spend the night at my other friends have sleepovers on Friday nights. And they were also, their parents were like, oh, we got to watch Donnie and Marie. Maybe all the dads had a crush on Marie as well. Okay. Uh, Flip Wilson had a variety show. Glenn Campbell had a variety show. Uh, <clears throat> you just don't understand how prominent variety shows the Jacksons of Michael Jackson, little Michael Jackson and the Jackson Five, except by this time they were called the Jacksons. They had a variety series. Maybe it was 10 episodes, maybe it was seven, regardless over the, the, the course of the weeks. That meant big, giant TV guide ads. That meant billboards. That meant commercials. That meant um, talk shows to promote your variety show. The Jacksons, okay, because you couldn't have the... Osmond's having one and the Jackson's not having one. You had the Croft Superstar Hour, the guys from the Saturday morning cartoons that gave you, uh, you know, uh, 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 Land of the Lost, you know, Wild uh, Bigfoot and Wild Boy, uh, Dr. Shrinker. They got a primetime variety hour. You had Mac Davis, a country star who had a variety hour. Even Mary Tyler Moore, after her show, got a variety hour. Uh, Yes, Bill Cosby got a variety hour. Tony Orlando and Dawn never also missed this in my house. Loved it. Variety hour. Variety hours were part of the era. They, they were just on every channel all the time. And, and you couldn't escape them. So, so 
putting a variety styled format on top of Star Wars was not as foreign to you. It it was not as foreign to us, excuse me. It was not as foreign to us as it is to you. We were in a constant diet. 95 variety shows in the 70s. If you Google 70s, this this is all I did. 70s, uh, right before I came on, the 1970s variety show. Boom. 1970s American variety television series. Wikipedia, click on it. Here, we're back. 95 categories. You know, the 80s has an option too. So I'm going to the 80s. The, the, uh, the 80s only have 69 options. See, they, they, 95 in the 70s was like the massive flex. But in the 80s, you still get, you know, Barbara Mandrell and the Mandrell sisters. Come on. You know you saw it. You know you saw it. That's, that's in the 80s, okay? It, trust me, variety shows. So who was on these variety shows? All of the people that are on this CBS, CBS uh, Star Wars holiday special. When you see uh, B. Arthur, you would go on to know her as the Golden Girls, no doubt. I would know her as Maud. She was her, she had a number hot hot big hit number one sometimes show on CBS called Maud, and it was in that Jeffersons and All in the Family kind of universe space. And uh, so of course she's playing you know one of the barkeeps in the holiday special. And then there's of course you know the the, the god awful sequence as as the holiday special you know continues with Harvey Corman playing like a an alien chef on an alien chef show. But let me tell you something. As the Star Wars holiday special starts and you see first and foremost that Mark Hamill is there as Luke, Harrison Ford is there as Han, you know, all of, uh, uh, all of the major players, Carrie Fisher is, as Leah, that they're all going to appear. What? And from the very onset, when they've got Han and Cho- Chewie in the, in the Falcon, again, the demand for Star Wars was through the roof. You saw that these characters, the actual actors in the movie, were kind of dropping by your television set during the Thanksgiving holiday season to to give you a glimpse of where they've been. And you immediately have Harrison Ford reprising himself as as Han Solo. You've got Chewbacca. And they're trying to get to Chewie's homeworld to celebrate Life Day. Okay, boom, Life Day. Got it. That's a holiday on the Wookiee home planet. As a kid, my computer is on and I am intercepting data. Life Day. Wookiee home planet. Okay. Then they show us through matte paintings. And it was it was clear on my little, little, we had just gotten a color television. Okay. It's a big deal. My little color television set, which was, I'm, I'm, I'm going to guess it was 15 inches. I'm going to guess we, we <laughs> there was a Christmas bonus uh, for my dad, I guess, that year. So we got a 15 inch color TV. I am sitting squat, you know, yoga style positioning in front of that with my chips and my, and, and my Twinkie. And I am ingesting Star Wars, the holiday special be, to, to be to kids of that age. Okay. Cause I'm, I'm, I'm 11 and I am so excited. I am so excited. I was nine in May of, of 77. So then that October I turned 10. So boom, we go to October of 78. I'm 11. So now I'm, I'm, I've been 11 for about six weeks and I am so, so stoked and, and drinking up all of the Star Wars. And so I am sitting there and the first thing you get to kids who are starved who are making these extension books into giant hits 
and 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 after the the uh, splendor of the mind's eye, there came a Han Solo trilogy. I told you he was ridiculously popular. You know, um, I think it's Han Solo at Star's End was the first one that I grabbed uh, the weekend that it came out, and I read it Saturday, Sunday, Monday, finished it. I just had to consume. So now again, imagine if these books and these comics, if the Star Wars comics are number one for Marvel, if the novels that they release with the big displays in the bookstores. Walden Books. You had a Walden bookstore and you saw it. Oh my gosh, Star Wars. You were all in immediately. I mean, immediately without hesitation, you were just in. So now the actors are coming back on a two hour special on CBS and you're going to, you're going to tune in and, and little 11 year old Robbie Liefeld, like all the other kids that night, were just drinking it in. They're going to the Wookiee home planet. Now, the, the minute they introduced his, uh, his, his, his family, the, the, the extended Wookiee family, was I like, okay, so, so we're doing a little, we're, we're doing a little cheese here. We're, we're doing, um, you know, th- th- this is getting a little, a little cheesy. I mean, th- th- that's kind of, we're, we're, <laughs> we're, we're leading with, with some cheese here. And, uh, you know, from, from Mala and, and, uh, and, and, and the rest of the characters that, that are introduced, um, you know, lumpy and itchy, his dad itchy. I, I was like, okay, this is not as serious as I would like. But immediately you're like, okay, so now I get the tonally, this isn't exactly what I want it to be. But okay, I, I'm now ex- expanding the Wookiees for the first time ever. I, I'm, I'm getting a Wookiee wife, a Wookiee son, a Wookiee dad. And, and, you know, itchy looked a little goofy with his weird expression. But again, Lucasfilm gave his rights over to CBS and their variety producers to make this happen. And, you know, there's a reason it only aired once. But if you take out the B. Arthur stuff and, and all of the Carol Burnett cast that comes in and does their goofy bits and sings their songs, if you take that out, kids of that era were just dissecting it for the, uh, you know, for the pertinent stuff. Life Day. Okay, Life Day. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to acknowledge that as life day. And, and then they put a message into to Luke, you know, who, who's telling him what, where, where he's waiting for them. And then, and then to, to, to Leah, and they're all trying to unite and celebrate life day with, with, with Chewbacca. And eventually, as you know, you know, uh, through, even though you have to get through all of those ridiculously crazy variety show, kitschy specials, special numbers, song, singing and, in dancing and goofy cooking segments, alien cooking segments, you're like, hey man, I'm just, okay, I, I, I'm I now going to watch Itchy kind of turn his TV on. He's going to watch something on tape and wait, what? It's an adventure with, with the cast animated and, and, and there's an animated Boba Fett. And I know that I've covered this in other podcasts. So just forgive me, but to kids like myself, when we saw Boba Fett ride in on a brontosaurus, in a very stylized, animated style. For, for those of us, and there are many, and I know I'm speaking to you right now, who grew up on the CBS and ABC cartoons, and we're getting, you know, the 1978 Fantastic Four Saturday morning cartoon with Herbie, and we were getting, uh, you know, the Super Friends on a regular basis, and whatever animated versions of Batman and, and, and Spider-Man uh, that it existed. This was a very different stylistic approach. They were, I, I, from the from that moment, just just having just the very little Walt Simonson that I had interacted with via Hercules at DC Comics and his Manhunter stuff at DC. I'm like, 
This looks like a Walt Simonson illustrated. They're very angular. Everyone's very angular. It's very stylized. It, it really leans into this very specific style. It's by no means trying to depict the actors with their likenesses at all. And if you've seen it, and of, co of course you've seen it, it's out there. It's in bootlegs all over the internet. But seeing it live, uh, the night of the, the actual broadcast, there you were like, oh my gosh. And, and Boba Fett rides in on basically a brontosaurus, has his like weird like magno trident rod that he zaps them with. Then they accompany him into the town to, to, to pull the job. Then Boba Fett, you know, fires his wire on them, tying them up, escapes, um, has, has, you know, you have that little conflict when they get back to the ship. I mean, I'm telling you with the same energy that I was experiencing then, it was very exciting. It was expanding Star Wars, a bounty hunter, Boba Fett. He spoke, he talked, he rode in. Can I say it one more time on a freaking brontosaurus styled sea creature after they had, you know, been, been stranded. So this is all exact, you know, ex extremely exciting. And again, you've got, uh, you know, Haunt, Luke Skywalker is 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 trying to contact, you know, uh, uh, the uh, the the Wookiee family on Kashik. And and again, just let me tell you those 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 matte paintings of the tree houses, and they look like they were hundreds of feet up in the air. So so you're like Wookiees live in these circular tree houses and this is rad oh my gosh i'm getting a glimpse to the wookie planet and i haven't seen this in the comic books the comic books haven't expanded in this way the books haven't expanded in this way life day new concept chewy's family new concept the, the tree houses that look a hundred feet up from the ground kashik all of this stuff new data pouring into 11 year old minds overloading us getting so excited and again we just knew you just knew you go eh the 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 Carol Burnett cast and 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 B Arthur and all that stuff. I just got to suffer through that because they're just padding that in between the good stuff. And then the minute Hamill Fisher Harrison Ford would re reappear, I am boom, completely locked in once again. Um, the uh, the 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 again the Boba Fett adventure is the you know cherry on top of the whipped cream on on top of the milkshake make no doubt about it but eventually you know there's that scene where uh stormtroopers are trying to raid the treehouse and han tosses one off i believe if if, if that's if that, it's my memory he pushes one off um but you got you, you've got the, the stormtroopers and on no planet is there any time, is there, is there ever a time, on no planet is there ever a time when the stormtroopers showing up at that point especially was not just like, wow, super cool. So uh, so anyway, Han and Chewbacca do indeed, you know, uh, if you've seen this, this amazing holiday special, they arrive and they are able to save Mala and Itchy and Lumpy. And, 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 and good prevails over evil and, and they get to live to go and uh, celebrate Life Day at the Great Tree of Life where, again, we, we, uh, we watch Princess Leia break out in song. And again, you know, I'm like, eh, this is, this is for this variety component. We got another song. Leah's singing. Was I, was I like, why is, Leah, why is Leah singing? Yes, yes. I was also like, why is Mark Hamill wearing so much makeup? Um, why is Luke Skywalker looking like he has so much foundation mascara and 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 uh eyelashes on look it you know even through the 15 inch screen i was like looks a little more polished 
looks a little more polished than he did in Star Wars. But again, I just took that as like bad makeup. 11-year-old, boom, click. But still Luke Skywalker, still wearing his, his, uh, his, his pilot uniform in the, in, the, in, the early, in the early scene, standing next to a, 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 an X-Wing fighter. And, and, you know, so if Carrie Fisher's going to break out in song, Carrie Fisher's going to break out in song. Who's, who's going to mind? No one in 1978 minded. Now, the next day, did we all get together, you know, or the next time we saw our friends and we'd talk about all the terrible variety show aspects? Yes, because we were trained. We were a society, a group of kids, our families would get together. You know, again, if we went to the Berrymans or the Pledgers or the Donies or all these different families that we interacted with as a kid, all who, of whom had uh, sons that I was friends with, that's Nathan's house, Kenneth's house, Paul's house, um, the, the, uh, the, the Lori's house. I mean, we, they would gather around a variety show, whether it was Flip Wilson's, whether it was Carol Burnett's, Sonny and Cher's, okay? Uh, you name it. Variety shows were, were part of the you know, fabric of pop culture. So the fact that they shoehorned Star Wars into this was not the shock to our system that I am sure it is to yours. Now, in 1997, I am at a convention in Florida. It may have been an early iteration of, of Megaton. It was in Orlando. We stayed with my family in Orlando. Joy and I went out and made a, a long weekend of it and then swung by, swung by and, and did the show. We had our awesome uh, comics publications that we were p- pursuing at the time. Did I go shopping from vendor to vendor? And did I see a guy who had a bootleg of the Star Wars Holiday Special? And I'm like, oh my gosh. Because as you know, it is historical fact that this was aired once. George Lucas hates it. I understand why he hates it. I get it. If, if I was the creator and, and this is something that I entered into the, the agreement for and it, and it turned out like this, I, I would possibly do my very best to keep it from airing for the next many decades. Now, as an aside, do I wish he would release or someone would release or some contracts? I, I assume there's a CBS component. There's a producer component. There's a Lucasfilm component. I wish everyone would get together and just give us a high, high-res version. History deserves a high-res version of this outing. But I got the bootleg in 1997. Man, I paid my 30 bucks to that retailer off to the corner at at the Florida convention. And the minute we landed and the minute that we got back to Southern California that afternoon, I'm like, Oh joy, I'm popping this in. Now I had splurged with my comic book, uh, fortune at the time and gotten one of the giant 60 inch, uh, square super TVs that they were selling in, 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 in your big box stores back then that the kind of, um, the kind of TVs that you could sleep on. I would call them bunk, bunk bed TVs because I'm like, I could actually, you know, put a pillow on top of the, of the TV and sleep on it because they were like literally eight feet wide and, 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 uh, and, and eight feet long. I mean, these, these were giant appliances that they brought in pre-plasma, pre-LED screens. You know, now they can make them paper thin, but I'm like, I had the big giant, you know, bunk bed television uh and and so i popped this bootleg which was pretty pretty decent quality but not on 60 inch that ages you know 1997 resolution and it looked even worse and at the time i was like i i just wish i had a 15 inch shitty 1978 
color television with antennas that I had to adjust to get sharper picture in that moment in at 1997. Yes, I did. I did. But you know what? The cartoon, the, the Boba Fett cartoon, the live action stuff, it still gripped me. It still gripped me. I hadn't seen it in all those years. And, and you know, during this time in 1997, 1998, you know, Lucasfilm was starting to re-release all of the, you know, Star Wars Return Empire with the new extended footage that, that George has crafted. And so it's, as he's refining them and making them nicer, I am embracing this garbage, you know, uh, way terrible uh, uh, resolution, especially the way it was blown up on my, my, my big screen bunk bed te- television. And, uh, and yet I'm still going, I loved it. Do I wish it was a smaller screen? But again, seeing the, the Nelvana produced, uh, Nelvana, not Nirvana. Nelvana was the animation company that did the Boba Fett Star Wars Han Solo cartoon. Seeing that again brought back all the feels, seeing the tree houses, seeing Han and Chewie get there just in time to save his family from the stormtroopers. All still incredibly exciting. And, and, and again, it was a byproduct of an age that cheesy variety shows were, were like part and parcel of what was available almost each and every night on television. Donnie and Marie was a mainstay. Sonny and Cher was a mainstay. Uh, Carol Burnett was a mainstay. I mean, you had three or four, five powerhouse variety shows that were on with great regularity all the time. Couldn't miss them. Couldn't avoid them. So when we got the holiday special, we got the ads. We, and, and look, you know, maybe it was, you know, cropped or, or, or footage cut directly from Star Wars. But, you know, you got TIE Fighters, you got, you got X-Wings, you got the Millennium Falcon. I'm not making any excuses for it. I'm just telling you how we absorbed it. We immediately, me and my friend group, we just edited out all the crap. And there's so much crap. And just focused on the new intel, the new stuff. I learned about Life Day, Kashik, Boba Fett, uh, riding in on a brontosaurus, bounty hunters. You know, uh, uh, Chewbacca's family, the Wookiee planet, tree houses. There was enough that I walked away going, hot damn. Because you know what? I knew already from the sci-fi magazines, I wasn't getting another Star Wars. I wasn't getting another Star Wars for another year and a half. 1980 seemed like forever. It was, we were going to roll into a new decade. And then five months later, I was going to get, you know, uh, uh, Empire Strikes Back. But, but I had, I, I'm in the, I'm in the end of 1978. I got to go all through 1979 to roll over into the new decade of 1980, and then get to summer. I mean, it seemed forever. The comics had kept me going. The books were great. But the holiday special, as much as a disaster as it was, if you take it in context, if you take it, uh, how the audience of which, who I was that audience, I was there real time, squat position. Maybe it was a Twinkie. Maybe it was a Ding Dong. But one of one of them was present with probably a terrible soda and, and a bag of chips, okay? And I could not have been more excited into this day. That memory has stuck with me. It was the first live action extension we had of the biggest, most spectacular, most impactful movie that my generation and pretty much any generation's ever seen. Again, think about the heyday of Lord of the Rings. Think about the heyday when when Stranger Things was just going crazy in the culture. Think about the, the, the Marvel Universe exploding. None of that compared to Star Wars. Star Wars mania was all of that stuff times 50, times 60. It was way bigger. And remember, it had less competition, but there is, as I tell my kids, there is life and pop entertainment and pop culture before SW, before Star Wars, and it after. I had consumed enough uh, Apple Dumpling Gang, the rock, you know, uh, Swiss Family Robinson, Herbie the Love Bug, Logan's Run, 2001 A Space Odyssey. I was there. I was 
consuming the pre-Star Wars entertainment. I was there after. I, I, I consumed the after. The world changed. I've always said it. I will beat that drum. So to get an extension, that November evening was a huge deal. It'll always have been a huge deal. And I just wanted you to experience how I experienced it. And yes, the edit button was on. Like, at no point was I like, oh yeah, this, this stuff with B. Arthur and the cantina is, is great. No, it was like, can we get through this? Again, no fast forward, no DVR. You know, you didn't tape this. Whoever, God, really good question. How, how did they tape that special? How did I get a bootleg? Who had a VCR in 1978? Certainly no one that the Liefeld family was aware of. We were poor and square, and we did not have extra technology. Again, to get this 15-inch color television was a big, big freaking deal. So there you go. Star Wars holiday special, November 17th, 1978. How little 11-year-old Robbie Liefeld and so many others absorbed it. It's like I was just in a confessional. Like I said, if aliens, you know, went back in time and sat next to me, you know, on that shag carpet that night, they would have watched the same reactions as I gave to you today. So I hope that in some way this was helpful and at the very least an entertaining revisit of Star Wars, the holiday special 1978. A couple of real quick bits as as we wrap it all up. In the moments uh, since I, I wrapped up the initial part of this podcast you're listening to, I ran back and I watched uh, part of the Star Wars holiday special on uh, on on YouTube once again, only reinforcing how kick-ass that Boba Fett cartoon is. I mean, it is regarded, again, as the very first appearance of Boba Fett. And again, the weapon that he uses in that is one of the reasons that John Favreau and Dave Filoni modeled uh, Mando's original rifle on the Mandalorian after the rifle that Fed is using in his initial debut on this cartoon. So uh, again, just doing a a couple more uh, little added bits. You know, again, kids my age, I understand if you discovered it later in the 80s, the 90s, whatever, and you just looked at it through a completely different lens, but you can't, again, get around the fact that variety shows like this were a staple. Of the 70s, 95, I told you 95 variety shows in, 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 the, uh, in the 1970s. And, and, and it should give you, again, a, a larger kind of understanding of why this thing looks the way it does, why the Star Wars holiday special, special um, looks the way it does. You know, the, the, uh, the, the, in, in, in the interim, when it aired, it was not seen as, as shameful. There were things, again, that excited people just to wrap up and reinforce again. The original cast back together, debut of Boba Fett, uh, Life Day, Cassic, the, the, the way that the, the uh, Wookiees lived, which again was completely revisited in Revenge of the Sith, giving, uh, you know, the, the uh, giving credence to all of this you know uh, it just it it, it it extremely extremely exciting when when i saw that all all of that you know come together but just understand the the world that this was made in that's all once again that would that was my my uh purpose for doing this particular episode and again jumping off Closing up shop, 
running back, watching it, maybe fast forwarding through Jefferson Starship and all those other um, very, um, you know, painful. And, and, and here's the deal. They were painful to watch back then too. You just knew, you knew by the advertisements that this was, this was going to have that cheesy variety show application in the same way that all of the cheesy variety shows you know, we're on, like I said, most husbands watch Friday shows because of the cute co-host Marie Osmond or Cher. Okay. So, you know, then, then women like my mom loved Carol Burnett for, I'm not sure why, but she's an icon and she's dry and witty and sharp and funny. And, uh, but, but the advertisements leading up to the holiday special, the, 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 the way that we found out about stuff, we didn't get it scrolling on a, internet device we didn't get you know some pop-up ad you only learned about this stuff from the tv guide which someday we'll do an entire podcast on like the pop culture impact of tv guide do not even kid yourself tv guide who painted what cover trust me big deal the tv guide or you got the advertisement on cbs on a cbs show you watched and cbs was incredibly popular between dallas all in the family, the Jeffersons, one day at a time. Just CBS was a big network with giant hit shows. MASH, you know, you got advertised. The Star Wars holiday special, you know, coming November 17th. And and so you tuned in and you watched, but you knew you're gonna have to get through some of that stuff. So by no means a defense, again, it's a, it's got disappointment. It's got disappointing stuff all over it. But again, need to revisit, had to be there. You know, 11 years old, very exciting time. You were getting legit, what you felt like was legit Star Wars, uh, you know, input, artifacts, stuff that you could add to all that you were already consuming and collecting, like the novels, like the comics, like the toys, like the lunch lunch boxes. I had given up lunch boxes, but I started buying Star Wars lunch boxes again because, because Star Wars, that's the answer, because, comma, Star Wars. Okay. Hey, thank you again for listening. I had to indulge my viewpoint of the holiday special. And I know I kind of already ended this once. This is the second ending, just like, just like second breakfasts today. You got a second ending and, uh, and, and, uh, man, do I appreciate that you guys hung out with me and sat through all of this. So at the end of each and every episode, I read your guys reviews. And today I'll tell you what I believe is one of the results of, of the reviews and the input and, and the uh, wonderful things that you were saying about Rob's observations is that I literally, because this stuff is really up to date, uh, generally when I record Rob's observations, they can be as late as Monday afternoon before you get them on a Tuesday uh, or anytime Saturday, Sunday, Monday. I, I The weekends are, are generally wide open and, and I, I love to address these topics and bring this stuff to you. But on this occasion, as as it is Monday afternoon and I get the weekly reports, uh, we were the number fourth uh, ranked podcast on Apple in the United States of America in the visual arts category. That's our categories, visual arts, with uh, <clears throat> with our last two observations, the Frank Miller at Marvel rare 1982 episode and the Wizard uh, episode were incredibly uh they were off the charts that you guys, I think that we, we have, um, you know, been dancing in the top five and, and the fact that you guys and your enthusiasm and your reviews and the things that you say and the way that you are sharing the show 
uh, is just what what a humbling thing. I literally just got this update sent to me. And the reason I'm I'm sharing it with you is to say thank you. Like I said, so many of you have been uh, really generous. Uh, you know, my wife and I were having dinner in Laguna Beach on an da- outdoor patio, and a, a gentleman who was 40 years old, because I asked him his age, was walking by with his uh, girlfriend, and 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 then he walked back by and he said, "Hey, c- can I ask? Are are you Rob?" And I said, "Yeah." And he told me about how much he loved the podcast, and it was so fun again to uh, just the, the the guy wanted to speak about the podcast and how he's listened to all the episodes, and and I'm so thrilled because. When I share the Frank Miller interview or the Wizard interview or the Barry Windsor Smith interview or the, you know, artifacts that I have collected, or I give you this live re, uh, you know, oral history of Rob, little, little 11 year old Rob Liefeld consuming the Star Wars holiday special to try and give you a different POV and, and, and bring you all the way back. It's just to share with you a, a larger glimpse of history. I'll, I'll give you a counterpoint to this. Also, just this morning, listening to sports and watching everything going on with the NBA and and and, and uh, this weekend, prior to me recording, this was the wrap up of the regular NBA season as they pivot towards the playoffs. And there's a guy that I really like. I like. I, I don't love him. He, he he has some historically bad takes, but he was referring in defense to his co-host. They were debating uh, the 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 reasoning behind a certain player. And the co-host is probably in his mid-40s, and the host is probably in his late 50s, possibly early 60s. And to defend his choice in, in this debate, the actual host of who the show is named after in, invoked another, he said, but so-and-so's got him at this position too. And this is a 30-something year, year old uh sports writer and i'm like wait to to defend your semi-questionable take you're invoking that a younger person who i'm gonna tell you right now this younger person is the absolute embodiment of recency bias this 30 year old uh sports journalist who who has been given a platform favors everybody in the now everybody in the now and again it is just hard to even understand because this uh, complete newbie was not watching the greats like the Magic Johnson. When you when you go back and you see those behind the the, the pass, behind the back passes, and those half court uh, single armed like just rifle shots that 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 Magic would would throw to Worthy or Kareem or or Byron. Um, come on, it, you know who's who's getting left behind also in sports is Larry Bird, who is as wicked and as potent as anyone you will ever see would tell people, you're going to try and defend me right here. I'm going to turn around. I'm going to shoot it right here. And it's going to go in. And it would. Recency bias is real. If we can get a larger scope of the comic book world, because so much of these, so many of these magazines are gone. You won't find them on convention floors. Um, they've been thrown away. They've been devalued in terms of like, I got to clean out my store. These are just a bunch of magazines. Toss them so I can make way for whatever new I need to make way for. That's fine. But they just don't exist. That's why when I read directly to the page to you, it matters to me because it is giving you a factual basis for what I am sharing. Again, charts from back in the days that are either, uh, you know, smothered, hidden, removed. No one wants to talk about them. 
again, I appreciate you. I appreciate you guys so much. And thank you for all the love and all the um, favor that you have shown this show. And I, I just hope you guys continue to take this ride for me. And because uh, because uh, I'm not going anywhere. There's so much more to discuss. And I am so grateful to all of you for listening. On social media, you can catch me. Twitter, I'm at Robert Liefeld. I hope very much that you can follow me over on Twitter at Robert Liefeld. I enjoy all of our interactions, uh, sharing thoughts, uh, opinions, uh, just talking back and forth about the stuff we we love at Robert Liefeld. Uh, still shocked to see that I have the verification check. Uh, it could vanish at any day. I am at Robert Liefeld with or without the verification check on Twitter. Look for me there. On Instagram, my visual cringe diary. Again, I, I love to invoke my kids. The cringe. Um, uh, all of my <laughs> all of my photos are are cringe or I don't understand how to run my social media. And I'm like, does anyone understand how to run their social media? Look, I just I'm showing you what I'm drawing. I'm some, sometimes I'm giving you sneak peeks of what I'm doing. Uh, I'll show you a color comp. I'll show you inks. I'll show you pencils. I'll also show you what, what I'm eating for dinner and maybe uh, uh, s- some some candy that, that that found its way to my desk that I'm about to gorge on, okay? Uh, Instagram, I'm just Rob Liefeld. Just Rob Liefeld. No Robert. Rob Liefeld, another verification check that could or could not vanish at any time, but I'm still at Rob Liefeld at Instagram. I would love to hear from you. I, I love hearing from you in the DMs and the messages in the comments. Thank you so much for following me. On Facebook, I have a group. It's called Rob Liefeld, Marvel, Extreme and Beyond. I invite you to continue the conversation with me over there. We talk more in depth about art, comics, the stuff we like, subjects here that we discuss here on the podcast. I would love to see you uh, if you submit your application uh, to join the group. Either myself or a gentleman named Terry Sala, S-A-L-A, will click you through. That's how you know you're in the right place. Rob Liefeld, Marvel, Extreme and Beyond is our Facebook group. Hope to see you there. There is an app. It's called Whatnot. I am on the Whatnot app. I am sharing signed comics, toys, Funkos, original art. It's a great app. If you want sports memorabilia, if you want Pokemon cards, Yu-Gi-Oh, if you want uh, Funko Pops, if you want comic books, it's all available for you over there. It is so kick-ass. I go on my live stream and I will show you and share with you all the different signatures and the customized remarks and stuff that I'm doing. And then you have a chance to bid on them and, and obtain them. And I am live talking right into the camera for a couple of hours. It's kind of like an extension of this podcast. So I look forward to seeing you guys over on Whatnot. Download the Whatnot app and follow me. I am Rob Liefeld on Whatnot. So Twitter, Robert Liefeld, Instagram, Rob Liefeld, Facebook group, Rob Liefeld, Marvel Extreme and Beyond, whatnot. Follow me at Rob Liefeld. Hope to experience you, interact with you, keep our discussions, keep our fun times rolling. And uh, I thank you if you, in fact, follow me or interact with me on any of those platforms. You guys, end of the show. I just always want to wish you the very, very, very best. And I hope that you are doing well spiritually, emotionally, uh, physically, and mentally. Uh, Crazy times out there. since we've discovered social media and, and, and all the different platforms, it seems like all we do is yell at each other. That's kind of how it feels. I've tried to yell less. And part of my outlet has been sharing with you my passion, and my love on, this, on this, uh, this podcast. But I hope that you are able to get your outlet. I hope you are able to feed your indulgences and get away from uh, 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 the grind of the nine to five, of the earnings, of, of providing. I know the burden as a father, as a husband. Uh, as a son, 
as a friend. And, and I just, I just wish for you that you are able to get away, go have a great dinner with your wife, your girlfriend, um, with, with your, your friends, uh, see a great movie with your family, watch something cool streaming, uh, eat some great food. Oh man, I am just tearing through the Italian menu right now, man. There are so many great Italian restaurants. My wife and I are discovering that we have just never interacted with and, uh, and we are willing to drive, uh, as, as, as far as it takes to get some of that delicious, uh, homemade pasta, wherever it may be. Candy, Twinkies, Ding Dongs, Gelato, Ice Cream. Those are my, uh, keys to my relaxation and awakening. Um, my, my, uh, my spiritual, mental, physical, and emotional well-being. So, hey, rooting for you. Uh, hope you guys can take, can pump the brakes, take some time, feed your soul, read a good comic, read a good novel. I, I've done all of these things. Everything I tell you that I want for you is what I do to unlock and to kind of escape myself so that I can recharge my batteries. So wishing you all the best. Hey, come back around and see me. I'm going to be here. I'll be looking for you because we most certainly, absolutely, inevitably, we'll talk again real soon.